Alright, let me try this again. This time that was my fault that we screwed up. I screwed up. I screwed up the intro. They don't right. know. You don't have to explain it. You know, I feel you like all of I feel out. like it's very important that I'm open and honest with our listeners <laughs> <laughs> about my fuck ups. Okay. So, hey everyone. I'm Latara. And I'm Laura. And this is Passions Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back to Passions Podcast. Woo-hoo. Episode 21, I believe. Maybe, maybe not. Of the show. Of the show. But we are talking about episodes 34 and 35 of Passions today. And 34 was excellent. I loved it. Like, again, I feel like I say that about every single episode. Most of them. I think there's been like two where I was like, this was boring. But mostly I'm like, this is fantastic and I love it. Passions goes all the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there are things that most shows wouldn't go near, and they're like, no, nah, let's just dive on in and go for it. It's fantastic. I love this show. I think it might be my favorite. <laughs> I think it might be my favorite show. Look, I think it's probably the favorite show of many of our listeners. But honestly, I'm so glad that I am rewatching this because growing up, I did love Passions. Like, I really did. I never missed an episode, mm. you know? So it's like, it's really nice to go back and relive it as an adult and still appreciate it because I feel like there's a lot of things that you go back and watch and like this is terrible yeah there's a lot of things that don't hold up we we went back and rewatched a few different things and they you know have aged very poorly what do we never been kissed aged so poorly oh my god it did not age well it was so cringy Oh, but it's, yeah, that one was really bad. Yeah. There's a couple that have that have held up pretty well. Ten yeah. Things I Hate About You. There mm-hmm. was a couple little things, but honestly, for the most part, I was like, this is still great. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, I've never been kissed. But good oof. content will always stand the test of time, That's which true. is why this podcast will live on forever <laughs> in perpetuity. <laughs> but yeah, this episode, episode 34 was really good, but I was worried at the beginning because we were getting a lot of flashbacks. Mm. I was worried, like, are we going to get new content? Like, what's going to happen here? But yeah. It delivered. The first, like, 15 minutes was just, like, flashback after flashback after flashback. But it was fantastic. So, episode 34 opens at Tabitha's house, where Tabitha is warming up to go for a run. (laughs) And you wouldn't know that she's warming up to go for a run because she's wearing, I don't know, 25 pounds of jewelry. She's wearing a... Forest green tracksuit, Laura. That's how you know she's going to go for a run. I love that tracksuit. It was, like, velour... Had little like two little like racing stripes yeah, on the side, like red racing stripes, yeah. and it was like a dark green suit. And she was wearing her signature bangles, just making all that fucking noise. Yeah, she was, and as she was warming up, like she's stretching like one arm in front of her body, and like the ba- and then like pulling her elbows back, and like yeah. the bangles were jangling away. She's Timmy's like, like, "What are you doing, Tabitha?" And she's <laughs> like, "I'm warming up for my run." She's like, I heard Grace Bennett is going to the youth center, so I'm going to jog down there. <laughs> because I I believe something very interesting is going to happen at the youth center today. And Tabitha is correct. Yeah, something oh. happens. Something very interesting happens. Although I don't think Tabitha had anticipated what happens. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think she I think <laughs> she was headed to the youth center to like sow seeds of discord, but mm. something else happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's head over to the youth center, let's do it. shall let's we? Go on over. So we've got a new Place in Harmony. Yeah. I love when we get to get new locations. The Another Youth Center. Place. The Youth Center in Harmony. And at the Youth Center, Miguel is having a flashback. And he's having his Hasta Luego flashback. Oh, my God. Of charity. And um, flashback and says to that he has to get Mrs. Bennett to help him. Right. Keep charity in, in Harmony. Bring charity back to Harmony. Which... 
this whole story right here makes very little sense. It's very thin, right? That Miguel is so hell-bent on having Mrs. Bennett specifically help him find Charity's mother's long-lost sister. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, the the, the premise is Mrs. Bennett knows everybody in town because she's so active in the community. So if they're looking for somebody in harmony, surely she would be the person to go to. But they don't know that Faith's long-lost sister is even in Harmony. So what would make them think, whatever. Yeah, it makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. But, but it anyway, works out. It, it's, it's working out so far, yeah. I guess. So Grace is also at the youth center, and she sees Miguel, goes over to say hi, and he's like, you know, I really need your help. I want you to help Charity find her mother's sister. And she's like, you know, I had a great rapport when I spoke with Mrs. Standish on the phone. Is it Standish? It's Standish. Standish. That I had, we had a great rapport when we spoke on the phone, so I would love to, but I don't know how much help I can really be. Right. So she's game for it, I guess. Yeah, she agrees to help. And, you know, Miguel keeps saying how special Charity is. So while Miguel's having this conversation with Grace and having his flashback about Charity... Charity is having her own little flashback. Well, she's dreaming. She's still asleep. Everybody else is up, but she's still in bed at this one. Charity likes to sleep in. What else is she going to do? She just hangs out with her mom all day. She doesn't go to do anything. She might as well get some sleep. Yeah. But yeah, so Charity is asleep, and she's having these dreams about Miguel. And Faith comes into her room, because she's like, you've been sleeping long enough. (laughs) She comes into her room. She's like, oh... Charity, you must be dreaming about Miguel. <laughs> yeah, she's just like sitting on her bed looking at her. And she's like, but we, you can't be with him because Harmony isn't safe. Harmony's not safe. Evil is there. I know you think it's fine, but it's not. I mean, it's just like a broken record. But she's talking at Charity's sleeping body. Right. <laughs> but she just keeps saying like the same four, three or four phrases over and over and over. So anyway, really? her talking about how Harmony isn't safe and there's evil out to get them and all this stuff wakes Charity up and immediately Charity springs up and she's like, oh my gosh, I was having the most beautiful dream about Miguel. And she tries to convince her mother to let Mrs. Bennett help find her twin. Right. She's convinced that her long lost twin is in harmony. Right. She, she wants to do anything she can to just be with Miguel. So she has convinced herself that her mom's twin is in harmony, even though it makes no logical sense. They don't have any clue that she's there. Right. But... I mean, she is correct, you know. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. So they talk about Grace again, and Faith talks about how she did feel this kinship with her Mm -hmm. and how they really were connected, but it could never be. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work, Charity. We have to leave today. So Charity and Faith talk about Grace more again. You know, mm-hmm. what's, what else is new? Am I, am I right? <laughs> right. Charity's crying. Faith feels bad that her daughter's upset. But she doesn't want to hear it. You know, Charity's like, come on, what about your missing sister? And Faith goes off. She's like, you know what? I can't lose you, Charity. I won't do it. I won't do it. I've lost too many people in my life. This is real. This is a legitimate fear. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you're not taking me seriously. And I will not lose you. Right. And she's like, you know what? I have to do some errands before we go, so finish packing. I'm going to go run my errands, and when I get back, we're, we're leaving. Right. So Miguel at the community center has asked Grace for her help, and Grace has agreed. And he says, great, I'm going to call Charity right now. 
right? Right. So he goes to call her on the payphone. Right. <laughs> Why? There's a lot of payphone use. There's a lot of payphone use. In this show. He goes to call her on the payphone, and while he's on the phone with Charity, or while he's about to call Charity, Tabitha jogs into the oh community God. center. Does she so not? Good. She sure does. She jogs in, and she's like very slow, slowly jogging. And munching on a cookie. Yeah. And I, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, fuck That's this. That's how I exercise. I don't want to do this. I want to eat my cookie. But th- it's all for show. You know, mm-hmm. she doesn't really want to work out. She just wants to accidentally run into Grace. Right. So she comes in. She's talking to Grace. Grace is like, what are you doing down here? And she says, oh, you know, I like, I love to give back to the youth, even if I could only help one child, blah, blah, blah. Right. I don't know what Tabitha was actually up to. I'm not but sure. I don't, I don't know what she was actually up to, but it served to get her into that gym so she had the information that she needed to have right. for the rest of the story. Right. So Miguel's on the phone, and Tabitha, Tabitha is talking to Grace. She overhears Miguel say, oh, hey, Charity, it's me, Miguel. And she's like, "What? wait a minute, Charity? And so she kind of jogs over to him and tries to eavesdrop on his conversation while she's <laughs> while she's still talking to Grace. And he says to Charity, Mrs. Bennett has agreed to help find your mother's twin. And Tabitha about has a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> she screams, no, no, no. <laughs> has to get out of that one because she has to explain why she's yelling no. Yeah. Uh, but Charity on the other line, or on the other end of the phone, says, you know, I don't think it's a good idea. My mother has put her foot down. She's not interested. And it's just honestly not a good idea. She says, my mother has crazy ideas, Miguel. You know what my (laughs) notes say? My notes say, Charity and Miguel talk on the phone and blah, blah, blah. And then Faith makes Charity hang up. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you've been on the phone long enough. I have to go. Hang up. (laughs) Because honestly, they don't say anything new. They just blah, blah, blah. The same stuff we already know. They're trying to get back together. And Mm -hmm. they're trying to quote, find her mother's sister, even though they don't, I don't think either of them really care. They just want to be with each other. They just want to spend time together, and mm-hmm. that kind of seems to be the excuse for them to hang out. Right. You know what I mean? That's Which is fine, but right. it's preposterous that that is the storyline so <laughs> for a show. Faith comes back and says, Charity, it's, you've been on the phone too long. She had told her when she answered the phone she could only talk for five minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. what. Anyway... So she tells her, you've been on the phone too long. It's time to hang up. Charity hangs up the phone. She's really upset. And then my next note says, Faith and Charity yell at each other about the same old shit. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. They start yelling at each other. Charity's yelling that she, this is the happiest she's ever been. And she just wants to be a normal kid and she doesn't want to move away and there's no evil and harmony and she, mm-hmm. you're, you you just don't know what you're talking about. And Faith yells at her, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm just trying to protect you, keep you safe. Now pack your shit because it's time to go. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Miguel, back in harmony, after he hangs up, he is sad. Oh, Yeah, he's really sad and he tells Grace and Tabitha about Charity and her mom how, you know, it doesn't seem like it's going to work out. Thank you so much for offering, Mrs. Bennett, but I don't think that Mrs. Standish is going to be able to meet. Yeah. Charity was so special, mm-hmm. and I will, really wish we could have been together, but it's just not going to work out. Yeah. She is, And she's definitely moving away. Mm-hmm. So, And Tabitha hears this news. She's done her recon on the situation. She's like, great. 
I'm all set. And she boogies on out of yeah, there. She's like, all right, so much for what I was going to do here. You know, the and end. Grace is like, wait, I thought you were going to help out. Nope, nope, got to nope, go home now. Not today, not the right time. So sorry. And Grace is like, well, I guess I'll go sell the tickets for the moonlit hayride then. Yeah, she says she has to go sell tickets for the for a moonlit hayride. And she's trying to cheer up Miguel and says, I'll take you to lunch if you want. How about you come with me? And he's like, no, thanks, Mrs. Bennett. I think I'd rather just be on my own right now. He's such an Eeyore at this moment. Thanks Aww. for noticing. Aww. He's so sad. He is sad. Um, and then he has a little fantasy. He says, I wish I could take charity for a moonlit ride on a hay, wa- on a hay wagon. And then they have a little a fantasy of him on a hay wagon with charity and they kiss and blah, 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 whatever. And, and afterward. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. And then he says, please don't take charity away from me. Cut to charity in her home cleaning up her things. And she says. Please don't take Miguel away from me. <laughs> and they're not talking to anyone, you know. No. They're talking to the universe. The universe. An almighty being, perhaps. I yeah. don't know. And so Charity is packing things up. Please don't take Miguel away from me. She's in tears. And she picks up a necklace and she goes, Oh my gosh, it's my charm necklace. Yeah, it was a teddy it's, bear charm. It's good luck. And I guess she wants to give it to Miguel as like a parting gift? Yeah, she says she wants to give him her teddy bear charm to remember her by. It's just an excuse to go back to Harmony. So she decides she's going to get on the next bus to Harmony very quickly. Be right back. She says, Mom's going to be mad at me, but I'll leave a note for her. She'll get over it. I'll be back. And I love that she's like, I'm going to leave a note for her on her computer. Not like I'm going to write a note, a sticky note, and put it on the fridge or put... You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. going to type it up on her computer. Oh, I thought it was like a... like a My... When she said I'm going to leave a note for her on her computer, my immediate thought was like she was going to write a little post-it and stick it to the computer. That, oh. Be, because okay. I only... And I only thought that because I leave notes on my computer, like at work. I mm. write sticky notes and I put them on my, on my laptop. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the next time I open it up, I'm like, oh, that's right. I had to do this. I need to do this. That makes me- way more sense than what I thought. <laughs> so yeah. you're probably right. Yeah. I was like, she's going to type up, like, a Word document. But she might. I mean, she on- might. <laughs> she might. I mean, she this might. show doesn't make any sense, so she might. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we but- could, either of us could be right, honestly. Yeah. You know, you really never or, know with passion. Or we could both be wrong. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Maybe she's gonna write it in permanent marker on her <laughs> on her compact laptop. <sighs> you remember compacts? No, I don't remember compacts. Oh, what is okay. that? It was a brand of laptop, and oh. the at the k sound at the end was a Q. I had one. Oh wow! I somehow yeah. missed that entire. And they had part docking stations, like a spaceship. Yeah. Well, y- yeah. My, you know, my dad was. He was like a networking professional, so mm-hmm. he did computers and phone systems and stuff. So we always had all kinds of electronics in our house. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so we I had one of those. He gave me one of those. It was like old when I got it. Wow. Yeah. Wow, cool. Um, so. so, yeah, Charity is off to Harmony to see Miguel. She's leaving a note for her mom mm-hmm. on the computer. Maybe a sticky note. Maybe a Word document. Maybe she's going to write it in permanent marker <laughs> on the laptop. We don't know yet. That's kind of where we leave Charity. So that, I think we should go to the country, the country club. club. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly let's where do I, it. That's where I wanted to go, to the country club. Let's go on down to the country club. What's going on at the country club? Well, Lomax, the PI, is speaking with the gardener. Because in the last episode, we saw... 
Lomax going around asking people, oh, do you know the stalker? Teresa in disguise is like, oh, you know, I do know that. I do know that girl. Her parents took her down to South America. They're not even in the country anymore. And he goes, I guess this case is closed. (laughs) And then the gardener, I'm not sure if he overhears or if Lomax... How does how do they encounter each other? I don't remember. He, he's ripping. Remember, Frank Lomax is ripping that sketch to shreds. Right. And the gardener says, "Why are you ripping up your picture?" <laughs> right. I just saw that girl. Why are you ripping yeah. up the picture? I just saw that girl. Frank's like, "Oh, I guess not all hope is lost." So the two of them are talking to each other about this stalker. Right. He says, "Why would the girl in the big glasses lie to me?" Mm-hmm. The girl in the big glasses. And then he's like, "Nobody tricks me. I get away with it." Meh. he's the worst actor but we don't find that out until a little bit later wow and then he delivers some real zingers you guys (laughs) he's horrible so while these two are talking Teresa and Whitney are at the country club talking and Teresa tells Whitney that she lied to the PI that everything is clear she convinced him that the stalker is long gone and that their dreams will be coming true she told she says she totally fooled that PI she did (laughs) she did totally fool that that P.I. So, Teresa's totally fooling everybody. She, <laughs> including herself. She has, she's <laughs> lying to herself constantly. I, lo- I just love Teresa Lopez Fitzgerald. <laughs> this girl has moxie. <laughs> Gumption. She's got... Moxie. She's got some real moxie. So... They talk about their dreams a little bit. You know, Teresa's going to be a famous designer. Whitney's going to be a famous tennis star. Mm -hmm. And uh, while they're talking, Frank talks to Ivy and says, I I think I found his stalker. Um, This girl lied to me about knowing this girl. And Ivy's like, so what's next? And he says, I'm going to go find her. Right. And, And I was like, cool. You know, I don't know. Ivy's very cool-headed about the whole thing. Every time she inter- encounters or interacts with Lomax, I feel like she's very like, okay, go on about your business. Ivy kind of goes back and forth being like enraged and fiery and like shooting blanks at her her cheating husband, you know, or she's like very icy and very calm, right. very collected. And it's I kind of haven't seen anything other than those two sides of her. Like she's very extreme. So, while Lomax and Ivy are talking about the stalker, Whitney and Teresa are chatting. Whitney tells Teresa that Ivy offered a corporate sponsorship, but TC made her turn it down. And the girls just kind of build each other up a little bit before Teresa has to bring some work over to Ivy at her table. Right. So, Teresa brings some work over to Ivy, and Ivy asks her and Whitney to join her for lunch. She says, you're friends with... Whitney, my tennis instructor, right? And she says, oh, she's my best friend. And then Ivy says, why don't you two girls join me for lunch? And what is Ivy up to, we wonder? Because Ivy says, when she says that to Teresa about Whitney, she has a flashback of her talking to Julian about why why he got so scared, basically, when he saw TC. Mm -hmm. And so I think Ivy's only in inviting them to have lunch with her because she wants to get to bo- to the bottom of that. Not because she cares anything about these girls, right? She's yeah. trying to figure out what is going on with, between TC and Julian mm-hmm. and maybe get herself some leverage against Julian. I think you are 100% correct. Yep. 
But uh, Whitney ends up turning it down. Teresa brings the offer over to Whitney, who's waiting for her back up, like at the bench or wherever they were talking. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know what? No, <laughs> not interested. And goes into this whole story about her history with her family, her grandpa and her dad working at the country club. And she's like, you know what? I think I might not even work here much longer anyway. It's very clear that I am not a desirable member of the country club because of the way that people look at me. I see how they look at me, and then I see them realize that they know how they're looking at me, so then they try to cover it up with a weird smile, and she's just tired of, you know, overt racism that has plagued her family, specifically at this country club, her entire life. Right. She talks about, she says they, when my dad asked me, he asked me earlier today, how they've been treating me here, and I told him fine, but the truth is, I see how they look at me, and nobody has been, has said anything to me, but I can feel it, and this place is just as restrictive as it was when he was working here and when my grandfather was working here. So, Whitney, she's in tears, honestly. You know, she's in tears talking about it. Because also, I think this was a job that she really wanted. I mean, when you are passionate about something the way that Whitney is passionate about tennis, it's great to get paid to do something that you already love and are passionate about. And especially as a teenager, that's like a really special and important thing to be able to do because most teenagers have to work at like McDonald's or the fish cannery. Right, right. right. So she has a real skill. So if Whitney is considering quitting a job that pays her probably very well and is her passion because of racism, then she's actually she I'm sure she is encountering a of her fair share. Right. Right. So. she even says, she's like, look around. I, you don't see any people who look like us. You don't see any black faces. You don't see any Latinx people at, that are members at this country club. Like, we are not welcome right. here. They may not say it, but it's very clear that we are not welcome Right. Here. So she's like, so, no, I don't want to have lunch with Ivy Crane. Mm-hmm. Period. Period, Pooh. She does not want to have lunch with Ivy Crane. Officially. So Teresa does try to build her up a little bit. And is like, you know, just wait till we get where we're going. Wait till I'm a famous designer. Wait till you're a a pro athlete. Wait till our names are all over the world. No one will be able to tell us where we do and do not belong. Yeah, and we'll be able to be at this country club. And our families will be able to be here. And all I could think was, I wouldn't want to be in a bitch-ass country club. Frankly. (laughs) No, seriously. I don't want, I don't, I would never want to be, look, I was always taught, my mom taught us, if they don't want you there, then don't go there. Mm -hmm. Like, spend your money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. It costs money to be a, to be a member of a country club. Yeah. So when I, so when I get followed around stores, I don't spend my money in those stores. Mm -hmm. And I don't go back to those stores. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why they want to, I guess they're children and they don't know any better, but I wouldn't be giving them any of my goddamn money. Mm -hmm. At all. Period. Well, I think it's also safe to presume... Well, it probably isn't, but I am making the assumption that most of the writers on staff were white. Yeah. And not people of color. So they're coming from it with very little perspective. You know what I mean? black people do not dream of being in racist white spaces. Right. (laughs) Like, I just... I don't know. It's just like, that's not really... I guess maybe some do. I can't speak for everybody, all people of color. All I know is for me, it's like, that's not... That seems very uncomfortable. And why would I spend good money to be uncomfortable? Right. 
Yeah, know. I mean, it makes sense. I don't know. But they, they have these dreams of becoming members of this country club, and nobody's going to be able to tell them where they can and cannot go. Okay, girl. And then who pops up? Frank Lomax, P.I. grabs Teresa, and he goes, I gotcha. <laughs> Frank Lomax, P.I. <laughs> this man. Now, this interaction is when I realized Frank Lomax is a worse actor than than Miguel. <laughs> By a long shot. He's way worse. I said, Lomax confronts Teresa and his acting is officially worse than Miguel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and he accuses them of covering for the stalker, basically. Right. He's like, you know, maybe you're friends with her. Uh, You're covering her tracks. And I saw you earlier. You were down at the market and you stopped that other girl from telling me any information about this stalker because he had seen Whitney down at the dock and Simone was there and was about to offer up some information. And then Whitney kind of made her keep her mouth shut. Right. And Lomax knew something was up, but he just didn't press the issue then. But now that he's here, he's like, hey, don't I know you? He didn't press the issue then because he's a terrible <laughs> P.I. He's as bad a P.I. as he is an actor. Oh, the scene. So that happens. Oh, it, it's bad. It, it, not a whole lot happens in that scene. It's just that he has basically caught them. Yeah. And he, then Ivy walks up. Right. And she says, what's going on here? And he turns to her and says, I've caught your stalker, basically. Yep, I found your son's stalker, Mrs. Crane. Yep. I I, I don't know, because I think they're they're trying to trick us into thinking that Lomax knows that the stalker is Teresa, even though she's in disguise. Girl, I didn't get that at all. This man's a dummy. Well, because the quote is, I found your son's stalker, Mrs. Crane, and his hand is on Teresa's arm. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think they're trying to trick some people into thinking, oh, he's in on it. But we know that Frank Lomax doesn't actually think that Teresa's the stalker. He's just found the person protecting her that will lead him to the the correct person. Yeah, but Teresa is in quite the pickle at this moment. If with with Ivy coming up, you right. know what I mean? I when I saw that I thought it's just that she's been in far worse pickles before that I just didn't have like that big of a reaction to it. But this is quite the conundrum for Teresa. How does she kind of explain this away? I don't see it as a big conundrum because I think Ivy is going to vouch for her and will kind of just say, oh, this isn't anything to worry about. You found, you're not thinking clearly, Lomax. Go do your job. Like, I don't think this is, I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm, I often am when it comes right. to this show. But I don't, I don't see this going very far. Okay. I just thought if he tells her basically what he knows, that Teresa lied about the girl in the picture, and that this, uh, that Whitney also had, was covering for the girl in the picture at, at one point that she would make the connection that they mm. would know, they do know her. Mm. But also that picture was horrible and they, she could also just say, I'm sure they just made a mistake. Yeah. Yep. So that's everything at the country club? Country club. Yes. I think we should go to the courthouse. We're going to the courthouse, yeah. baby. Courthouse, baby. Courthouse, baby. We're going to the courthouse where right. Sheridan is... Having her hearing, hearing yep. for her criminal activity. That's right. And <sighs> she, remember, Sheridan is still sure that Luis will go easy on her because they had a run-in on the beach and he was very nice to her and she was very nice to him and they had a very pleasant moment and a pleasant talk. So she's like, I'm sure he's going to go easy on me. I'm not worried at all. She, she's, she basically is like kicking her legs up, her feet up on the, the table. Yeah. 
She also has mentioned, she mentions later on in this episode and has hinted at it before that she knows she's very attractive. She knows she has a certain kind of charm. And she's like, you know, based on that and based on how I know I can manipulate men and based on the pleasant conversation we had earlier today, I think this is going to go in my favor very easily. And we have nothing to worry about. Right. So Sheridan thinks that Luis is going to go easy on her. Meanwhile, across the courtroom, Luis is having a flashback where he learned that Sheridan filed a sexual harassment suit against him and he's all fired up. Yeah. He's he's, all fired up. He's like, let's put our ass in jail. Right. So what else happens? So Sam is there, as is the representative from the DA's office, I assume just a a district attorney, a DA. And he tells Luis and Sam that they're okay just giving Sheridan a fine and putting her on probation of some kind because this is the first time anything like this has happened. And Sam kind of agrees. He's like, you know, yes, this was extreme, but it was a first offense. If she's willing to pay the fine, we can put her on probation, maybe do some community service or something. Like, I think that's fair. And Luis gets so mad, and he accuses Sam of caving to political pressure. Mm-hmm. Because he, sure he because Sam doesn't think that Sheridan deserves to go to prison or go to jail. Yeah. Even though, I mean, she does deserve to go to jail. uh, She does. What she did, she rammed into his car, and then when he told her to stop, she put her car into reverse and decided to flee the scene and mocked him and told him he couldn't arrest her because she was a crane. If it were me, I would be making a full example out of her. Yeah. Okay? I, yes, I agree. She, she... I get it. Anyway. The people who think that they're above jail are probably the people who need to spend some time in it. So, six months in jail is hardly anything. Anyway, moving on. I'm getting off my soapbox. No, no, you get right back on that soapbox whenever you want. And so, oh, and then Luis is like, you know what? I'll bet the run this morning was a setup. She was just trying to, like, garner favor with me. Yeah, he, he (laughs) accuses... Her of, like, trying to set him up even though he was following her and she had no clue he was behind her. Right. And then he goes on to say, oh, and that party, she wasn't invited to it, but Ethan and Sheridan just showed up anyway because they were trying to flatter Pilar. They want me to go easy on her. Yeah, he thinks Sheridan showed up to his house just so he would go easy on her and that she used his fit, her feminine wiles <sighs> oh my so that he would go easy on her. Here's the thing. Sheridan has been very irritating for this entire show so far to me, mm-hmm. all 34 episodes. Luis started off as a good egg, but recently his behavior has been very disturbing because he did harass her. The whole thing at the party was awful and very uncomfortable, and now he's going around and blaming Sheridan for the fact that he is attracted to her. Both of these people have a lot of growth to do. Yeah. Luis, thinking that Sheridan was trying to set him up this morning with the run is ridiculous. Absurd. Like, completely absurd and ridiculous because he, again, was following her. Now, making the leap to she showed up to my house and maybe that could have been a setup is not that as absurd. The part where he is feeling her, that's you, bruh. The but part- the part where mm-hmm. she dances with him, that's on her. Like, if she's filing this sexual harassment suit, sure. you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no. So, it, it, there, I've, there's plenty of blame to go around right. here. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. It's like, I really didn't expect Luis to, to be like this. 
that's the point. It's like, because he's been nothing but great up to this point. And then all of this interaction, I mean, I guess he hated the cranes. But, but they suck. But they do suck. Like, it's well-deserved from what we have seen, you know? So seeing this side of Luis is really, it's very unflattering. These people are awful. Luis isn't awful. But Sheridan is still just fucking terrible, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Yeah. I'm not defending her. Yeah, she's ter- she's terrible. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm surprised to see this side of Luis, that's all. Okay, so Luis gets up on the stand and... The DA questions him about what happened the night that Sheridan, you know, rammed his car and fled from capture, basically. <laughs> and he basically just tells the truth, right? He says exactly what Sheridan did. He doesn't mince words. He says, she was going 98 and a 45. I've tried to pull her over. She sped up. And then I had to chase after her. When I cut her off, she rammed into my car when I... Thought I had her stopped. She decided to put her car in reverse and flee. And then when she finally did stop, she told me I couldn't arrest her because her name was Crane. And that is exactly what happened. Right. I don't know what. Did Sheridan want him to perjure himself on the stand? Well, I think the part that she took issue with was the words that he used to describe her, which were arrogant and belligerent. Mm. So you can say this all happened, but she was apologetic and exhausted or this is what happened and and on top of it she didn't think that she did anything wrong mm. you know i think the like the intention behind it was the part that he was testifying to right because sheridan was very upset she said i can't believe he's ripping me to shreds yeah up there. she was like he basically called me an arrogant law-breaking snob and latar and i at the same time were like well you are yeah <laughs> that's what we Ethan's said like, and ethan says to her well i told you this was gonna happen you yeah know? he's like i warned you about this and i'm not doing this little dance anymore and he gets up and uh, asks Luis some questions and immediately brings up the harassment lawsuit, even though Sheridan didn't really want him to. But mm-hmm. he's like, I'm not doing this. Let's, yeah, th- let's, he brings let's up take him down. A, a sexual harassment defense and basically tries to shred his credibility and says that, asks him, did you kiss Miss, what's her name? Crane. <laughs> did you <laughs> kiss Miss Crane last night? And he's like, I didn't know who she was. I was blindfolded. I didn't know. He was like, well, did you dance with her? I mean... Okay, whatever. It was silly, but the best part was Ethan got right up to the witness box. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. And then Luis stood up, and they're like he's going like toe to toe in the middle of the courtroom. Right, Luis. They have a very heated moment, and then the judge tells Luis to sit down. Officer, sit down. Yeah, he's you like, know. you're calling me a liar. Yeah, <laughs> and so then the so judge good. says, "Okay, we're gonna go into recess while I deliberate, basically, and we'll be back in a few minutes." Mm-hmm. And then Sheridan confronts Luis out in the hallway. Yeah. And says, you're really good at pretending to be someone you're not. What, girl? And then he says to her, you know what? Give my regards to the mayor the next time you see him. And he walks off. (laughs) She's like, the mayor? I've never met the man I've never spoken to him. I don't even, I don't know who the, I couldn't tell you the name of the mayor of Harmony. I don't know him. Right. Monsieur Mayor. Monsieur Mayor. So (laughs) they go back into court, court's back in session, and Sam stands up and speaks for Luis before the judge just renders her verdict, Mm -hmm. right? He says, you know, I believe in what Officer Lopez Fitzgerald is saying, and I, he's one of my best officers, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, 
speaks for him. Yeah, he's fair and he's honest. Mm -hmm. And all that I ask is that Sheridan is also treated fairly. Mm Mm-hmm. The end. So the judge says this charge is unfounded about Luis and then turns around and gives Sheridan a fine of $1,000 and says, you have 75 hours of community service. Let's act this out. You have 75 hours of community service. 75 hours, but... Let's make it 100. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I screamed. I thought that was so great. So hilarious. Thank you, judge. So now Sheridan has 100 hours of community service. Mm -hmm. And the fine of $1,000 at first I thought was like a little small, but they also had to buy a new police car. Right. They had already purchased a new car. Yeah, they had to buy a new police car. So this part was so random and came out of nowhere. That's, I looked up and I was like, what? Did I miss something? No. Ethan turns to Sheridan and brings up a woman named Eleanor Goodwell and is like, oh, didn't you go to college with her? She's the head of the Women's League, so you should speak to her about your community service, and she'll be able to help you out. Yeah, it was so random. But it was brought up with absolutely no background information. Like, it was was out of the blue. It was. So she's like, oh, that's a great idea, blah, blah, blah. Then Ethan goes back into the courtroom to, I don't know, get his briefcase or something. He left Mm -hmm. something in the courtroom. And then... She runs. She, in, oh, oh, yeah. She runs into Luis, mm-hmm. and she Sheridan again confronts Luis and says, "I don't know how a sweet woman like Pilar could have such a vindictive son like you." Blah mm-hmm. blah blah, and, and he kind of says like, "Ditto, sis. Like, get out of my face." Yeah, he's like, "Get over it." Like that's yeah, literally what yeah, he says. <laughs> he, he says something about even the cranes have to. Have to live life just like the rest of us. So get over it. Get over it, you. And then Sheridan says, well, I don't know. After he leaves, she goes, I don't know how this day could get any worse. (laughs) Then Ethan comes out and says, I've got some bad news, Sheridan. (laughs) (laughs) And the bad news is... The bad news is that her community service is not up to her. She doesn't get to decide where her time is spent. The court has chosen it for her. And her first assignment is that she needs to report immediately to the youth center. Today. Today. And she's like, oh, I don't have time for it. I have plans today. She doesn't seem to understand consequences. She's a mess. (laughs) So then Sheridan says, you know, I'll just make a sizable donation to the youth center in lieu of doing my 100 hours, I'm sure they need lots of money for whatever. I'm sure it's they're in great need of funds, blah, blah, blah. She says, so I'll just call the director and talk to the director. Well. <laughs> she picks up the phone. She dials the youth center. And Miguel goes to answer the pay phone? Yeah. So she calls the pay phone of the youth center? Like, do they not have... An office at the youth center where they... I guess they do need some money. They do need some money. I hope they, they, I hope they money. approve they're, that uh, donation. Their phone system is just a pay phone? Okay. Anyway, Miguel answers. And she says, oh, hello. I would like to speak to the director of the youth center, please. And so he says, oh, okay. Yeah, let me get him. Then he calls over Luis Lopez Fitzgerald, who is in brand new clothes, like workout clothes now. <laughs> and... Answers the phone. He's Luis is the director of the youth center. What? 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 I was <laughs> I was screaming, laughing. I thought it was so funny. First of all, how did he get there so fast? How did he get there? He was literally talking to Sheridan, 
And then he turned around and she called the youth center and then he was at the youth center. I mean, these people teleport. In his workout clothes. They teleport, yes, in a completely different outfit. It was crazy. It was amazing. It was hilarious. It was crazy. They did not talk to each other, though. Not yet. But it was fantastic because you already know what's about to happen. Louise is about to be like, no, we're not taking any crane money. Bring your crane ass down here. You can scrub floors just like everybody else. (laughs) It is about to go down. I love it. Oh. Oh, I really love it. It's amazing. So So the last thing we need to talk about. Remember, Little Miss Charity was going to bring her teddy bear charm to Miguel to say goodbye and give him a little memory of her. Mm-hmm. So she's on the bus, and as the bus is pulling into Harmony, she sees her mom walk by. And she goes, wait a minute. Those weren't the clothes that my mother was wearing when she left the house. It's Grace. It's not my mom. It's my mom's long-lost twin sister. It's finally Grace. It's finally Grace. Grace is walking by the bus to go sell tickets to the hayride. Oh, and honestly, this moment was not big enough for me. It really wasn't. It was so small that you almost it. missed it. Exactly. I almost missed it. I was like, was it great? Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know what it is? They've been building it up for so long that, and we've been let down so many times that when it finally happened for real, we didn't <laughs> think it was true. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh, well, this is just another fake out. So yeah. we, we don't really need to pay attention. So Charity has found Grace. At least she's seen Grace. She's seen Grace. So she knows now for a fact that her mom's twin is in, in harmony. harmony. Question is, is Faith going to believe her? Mm-hmm. And also, she doesn't know... Oh, well, she does know her first name. She just doesn't know her last name. Right, she knows her name so is she's Grace. Gonna, she's, uh, hopefully, she'll say to Miguel, Grace. Yeah. And Miguel will say, Mrs. Bennett's first name is Grace. Let's hope so. I mean, they have a tendency of saying... The show, when it suits them, has a tendency to either say Mrs. Bennett or Mrs. Standish instead of saying Grace or Faith. Right. So if they start putting two and two together, I hope Charity does, then it should be pretty easy to, to solve this mystery, you know? Hopefully Miguel knows that Mrs. Bennett's first name is Grace, but he might not know He might that. not, yeah. You know? But, I mean, maybe hopefully he does. I mean, I know my all of my f- best friends' parents' names, and I have Honestly, since I was in high school. when I was a kid... I didn't know a lot of people's first names. Actually, I had I had a cousin. <laughs> I had a cousin who I didn't know what her name was for years <laughs> because we all just called her girly. And then somebody said something about Carnica, and I was like, who the fuck is Carnica? <laughs> I was like, I think I might have been 12. <laughs> You're like, and she's she related I, to you. And she, she and I are a year apart and spent a lot of time Whoa. together. And I did not know what her first name was. Because people when people just say one thing, right. you don't know, especially as a kid. Wow. But they are teenagers, so hopefully by that time they do know their first names. But there's a lot of teachers that I had that I didn't know their first name. That's true. I, well, and my kids didn't know my first name for a long time, and then. But a teacher is a different thing them. than a teacher is a different thing than a parent, though. than a community member, and a member in the community. You know, and yeah, I don't know. We said this. I don't know if we said this when we were watching or on the recording, but the Lopez Fitzgeralds, the Bennetts, and the Russells are super involved in the community. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they really are like pillars. Mm-hmm. So I feel like even if. You formally call someone Mrs. Bennett. You probably still know who she is and know her first name. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see what the show does. Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So we're going to take a little short break. Just you wait. We'll be right back. Okay. And we are back from the break. Hello. We're back with episode 35. That's right. 
This one. I hated this episode. I didn't. Which is funny because in the last. Like the last episode, I was like, "This is great," and I loved it. And I feel like I always say how much I love every episode, but I, <laughs> I kind of hated this one. Like a lot happened, but also nothing happened. There was a lot of buildup in this episode. There was a lot of establishing new things, and you know, looking forward to what could happen. And I didn't mind it because I feel like some things are shifting in harmony. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Ugh. I maybe I'm also just like sleepy, so I'm just like mm. this. I need a little more action. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I need a little more action. So this episode, ugh, this episode starts with Sheridan in her car driving on her cell phone. <laughs> this woman does not deserve <laughs> to have a driver's <sighs> license. Do you understand? She is a bad driver and. A danger, a danger to all who are on the road. She is okay? a maniac behind the wheel. Because she's driving this car, right? First of all, bad enough that she's talking on her cell phone while she's driving. And then we see her like swerve and she's like, ah! and she almost hits a pedestrian. <laughs> she nearly hits him. <sighs> Oh, she she's she does not need to have a driver's license. It was also weird because it looked like she was driving down like a country road type of situation and there was like a the pedestrian was like this dude who just looked like he was like emerging from a, the woods. Yeah. It's not you know, like it was weird. Like I wouldn't expect to be looking for a person and I'm I'm certainly not defending Sheridan. It's strange for him to be there, but she is an unconscionable driver. Right. And part of the reason that she almost hits him is because she, like, is putting her cell phone down. She's right. distracted. Exactly. Yeah. Well, she's always, she's at best a distracted driver. She's, she's terrible. She's a bad driver. I hate it. <laughs> she doesn't need to be in a car. And who is she even on the phone with? She's on the phone talking yeah. to someone. We don't know who it is. And she's just complaining about Luis. Yeah. She's like, I can't believe the way he ripped me apart on the stand and blah, blah, blah. I'm headed to the youth center. Hopefully the director will accept my generous offer in lieu of me doing 100 hours. Now, right. we need to remember, at the end of the last episode, she and Luis yeah. are back to talk to each other right. on the phone. So, And then in this episode, they leave that out completely. Entirely. Completely. I was so confused that I stopped the episode, turned it off, was like, I think I've started on the wrong episode because it didn't make any sense that she was headed to the youth center and we never got to see the conversation that they had on the phone. Right. I guess the writers were just like, you know what? We have a better way of doing this that will also allow us to introduce a new character. So let's go this route. But I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and decide that the payphone line went dead for some unexpected reason, and Sheridan and Luis just didn't get to talk, I guess. I don't know how else to explain it. It was ridiculous. The editing team didn't edit out what they were supposed to edit out. I feel like like that was supposed to be a cut scene where Mm. she calls and they talk. I think that was supposed to be a scene that was cut out, and it just didn't get cut out. I feel Mm. like it was just a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're trying to do so much... putting out a new episode every day. Right. You know, it makes sense that some things are going to slip through the cracks. Yeah. But But it was a huge crack. Like, it was a huge... Chalk it up to one of the many, many, many things that are never going to get followed up on or followed through in Passion. Yeah. Oh, so that that drove me a little bit nuts. It's like, what about the phone call? Because I really want to see that phone call. Anyway... 
Anyway, so she almost hits this pedestrian. She stops, of course. And, you know, are you all right? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, I'm fine. He's like, if anything, I stepped out in front of you. He, like, absolves her of any wrongdoing. Yeah. Right? He's like, oh, it was my fault, not yours. I stepped out into traffic. I wasn't paying attention. Like, don't don't you worry about it. Yeah. So she he absolves her, this handsome pedestrian. They kind of make eyes at each other. They're flirting with one another. She gets back in her car and says, well, I'm late for my appointment. I guess I should get going. Mm-hmm. And she tries to start a car, but it won't start. And so he offers to give her some help, you know, car trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and know? she's like, oh, but you're going to get your shirt dirty if you if you get under the hood. And he's wearing a tank top. He's wearing what you are supposed to wear to get to, like, yeah. do mechanical work. But he, of course, takes off his shirt. And he ain't no Luis, but he's all right. I don't, I, yeah, he's all right. I don't know. I don't think he's... His face doesn't do it. He doesn't do it for me. And he could have kept his shirt on. (laughs) I think I would have a higher opinion of him if he did. Yep. Yep. He could have kept that shirt on. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So he helps her and some wire became like disconnected. And he was like, oh, see this little wire just came disconnected. I just hooked it back in there and you're all set. You're all ready to go. Whatever. It was flimsy at best. It was just a little excuse to get these two characters to meet and to talk. They chit-chat a little bit about how she's recently come back into town. And, oh, what a coincidence. This man has also recently come back to town. Mm-hmm. And they've both been traveling. And they don't get into any details. But it's there's it's very clear that there is a mutual attraction mm-hmm. between, these, between Sheridan and this mystery man. We have no idea who he is. Right. I wrote, she likes him, so he's definitely a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I made the conjecture that he was like an undercover goon working for Roger. Yeah. But I'm the wrong. American arm of the French <laughs> like cartel or whatever. Yeah. I'm definitely wrong, but mm-hmm. it would have been exciting. That would have been cute. <laughs> no. <laughs> so she they yeah, they talk and they are like obviously attracted to each other. And um, they don't exchange names, which is important. Right. And then she she drives off. To go to the youth center. To go to the youth center. Now, at the youth center, Luis and Miguel are, like, hanging out. They're, like, hitting the heavy bag. Yeah. Working on some boxing. Doing some boxing stuff. Getting that aggression out, you know. That Lopez Fitzgerald aggression. Yeah, in a very healthy way. And they're talking, and Miguel kind of says, Luis, how do you have the time to volunteer here at the youth center? How do you have the energy? And he's like, I'd have more energy if I didn't have to deal with, if I didn't have to go to court for stupid blondes or something like that. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> like rich blonde women. <laughs> it, was, it was just dumb. It was Miguel so was complaining about, or sorry, Luis was complaining about Sheridan. And then Miguel was just talking about charity, and they both kind of kept talking about their own thing and ignoring... <laughs> Not listening to each other. What exactly. Ignoring, like, what the other brother was trying yeah. to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. That one would say... So- Luis would say something about charity, and then Miguel would say something about charity. And then, you know... Yeah. And Miguel's like, I feel like a force is trying to keep charity and me apart. And Luis is like, well, you can keep... You can send an email. You can keep in touch that way. And then he starts talking about Sheridan again. <laughs> Miguel says, well, email's not the same, blah, blah, blah. And Luis is getting, like, frustrated with Miguel talking about this. You could tell he was just like, well, you can send an email. Or he's like, well, mom always says if two people are meant to be together, they will. So doesn't that give you some some hope? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, oh, well, you've definitely been bitten by the love bug. 
And then he starts talking about Sheridan again. Yep. And trying to deny the fact that he doesn't doesn't feel the way he obviously feels about her. That he, in fact, also has been bitten by the love bug. That's right. He's like... He's been bitten by the love-hate bug. Right? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It's a love-hate relationship. And he's like, well, I've never felt that way about a woman before. Hmm. Never. Except, yes, you have. Except for right Right this very moment. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so Miguel is, like, obsessed with Charity. Mm. And the way he's talking about her is very reminiscent of the way that Teresa talks about Ethan. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, these kids are just, they just get obsessed. They have obsessive personalities. It's true. I wonder if some of that has to do with, like, separation anxiety because they lost their father so unexpectedly. Like, he literally just disappeared. Yeah, maybe. You know, so maybe there's that thing of, like, you have to be in the moment and if you want something, you better, you know, take it because it could be taken from you at any moment oh, without any notice. I yeah, don't know. Maybe. I'm trying to, like, dig into their psychology even though I have no yeah. business doing it. <laughs> and I doubt there's any psychology to dig into, really. But that's a good... You made a good point. Yeah. I don't think the writers thought that thoroughly, like, that deeply into it. I think this just was a coincidence. I think they just think love is obsessive. Like, yeah. Yeah. People who love each other obsess over one another. Yeah, that's not healthy. Nope. That's not what love is. Nope, it's dangerous. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, they, they talk about Sheridan and Charity, and then... Sheridan arrives in the parking lot for her appointment, correct? I guess. The way that this town is set up is very confusing to me. And again, I think this is just like (laughs) thoughtlessness on the part of like the creative team where whatever characters need to interact in whatever space do, regardless of time traveling. Regardless of time and space. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because Sheridan gets to this youth center. She's walking through the parking lot and she runs into the pedestrian. Right. Like, how did he get there faster than she did? Yeah, right. In her car. She's in her car. He's on his two little leggies. Maybe he knew a shortcut. I don't know. Maybe he walked through the woods. I also was, like, busy taking notes on something else, and so I really didn't write very much about this. Their interaction in the parking lot? I wrote, Sheridan's dude runs into her again, but she had to get a blouse. Yeah, that's all I wrote. (laughs) I I really don't like Sheridan. I know people are saying, like, hang in there with Sheridan, but I don't like her. Mm. I still don't like her. I think that's probably why you disliked this episode. Because it was largely about Sheridan. She was, like, the star of this. Yeah, no, she's... Yeah, that's probably why I didn't like it. That's probably... You're probably correct. That's probably why I didn't like it. There's a lot of Sheridan stuff. There was a lot of Sheridan. There was no Teresa. There was no Whitney. Yeah. You know, like, your... your Ivy. Your heavy hitters weren't in in this one at all. No. No. Actually, all the people I kind of hate were in it. Yeah. That's why I hated this episode. Yeah. Because it was really about Sheridan and Charity. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. (laughs) Now that we've figured out why I hated this so much, we can continue drudging through this. We can continue with this drudgery. No. <laughs> no. So she is in this parking lot and miraculously, so is this traveler. Right. right? Was she going to Grace's shop to get a new blouse? She was going in and then she turned around and there he was. Yeah, okay. she was about to go get a new blouse. Okay, so she was going in. She saw that she had grease on it was like a small black dot on the sleeve of her shirt and then turns around says well i can't go in like this but here's the thing you have an appointment she says she's an has an appointment she says she's already running late for her appointment 
I'm sure she was speeding. She sucks. She sucks. You're already late for your appointment, so now, but now you can't go in because you have a spot on your on the sleeve of your blouse. And so she says, I can't go in like this. Gotta go. Must go shopping. Right? <laughs> I gotta go change. So she turns around and she bumps into him heading into the youth center. And he's like, fancy seeing you here. Mm. Told you we'd meet again. <sighs> These two. This is dumb. It was so stupid. So she's like, yeah, I was headed in, but I, I have to go get a new blouse, basically. Okay. And then he goes into the youth center. Okay. Now, again, she says she has an appointment with the director, but the director is is Louise. Right. Louise doesn't say anything about having an appointment with Sheridan Crane. He seems to think he's never going to see her again. I think she was ordered to go by the court. And she was supposed to be there at a certain time. And she was supposed to be there at a certain time. And that Luis, as the director, doesn't know to expect it for for whatever reason. Or if he does, then he all he has been told is that a new batch of volunteers or that someone would be coming or... You know what I mean? Okay. Like, I don't think that he has been... In, he clearly has not been informed that Sheridan, the specific human person, would be coming to the youth center. Okay. So like, just like a breakdown in communications through governmental bureaucracy, yep. right? Yep. It's like, we don't know what's going on. Yep. Okay. All right. I'll take that. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> so, I'll give it to you for free. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> so the man, the mysterious man, goes into the youth center. Mm-hmm. Sheridan heads to get changed. So he heads in, inside, and who sees him there? Well, Luis. He runs right on into Luis at the youth center. And through their conversation, we discover that this mysterious man is Sam's younger brother. Yes. And he and Luis know each other from their time together growing up in Harmony. Mm-hmm. So I think they're about the same age. Right. I, because I'm pretty, sure Sa- I'm pretty sure Luis is younger than Sam. So yeah. I think uh, Luis and this Sam's brother are the same age. Yeah. That's what I took away from it, too. Yeah. And immediately... Sam's brother starts talking about, oh, I met this babe, a major babe. It was very Saved by the Bell. (laughs) It was very Zach Morris, wasn't it? I didn't watch anything. I didn't watch Saved by the Bell, so I don't know. It was very Zach Morris. Zach Morris is trash. Y'all watch those? Those are hilarious. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't participate. Saved by the Bell. Zach Morris was always like after some babe. He was that blonde guy? Yeah. 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 Mark Paul Gosler or whatever. Paul Paul Mark. I know. Is it he, he is, is, is that Zach, Zach Morris? Yeah, yeah, he's Zach Morris. Okay. Yeah. I always get him and Dawson from Dawson's Creek mixed up. And that's oh. what's that guy's name? Um shit. I didn't watch that one either. I didn't um, really watch Dawson's Creek at all. Oh god. He was on Dancing with the Stars. He was really good. <laughs> I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name either. <laughs> shit. What was his name? James Vanderbeek. That's right, those Dutch names. James Vanderbeek. Got James it. Vanderbeek. They do kind of look similar. Mm-hmm. They look a lot alike yeah. to me. You know who I used to get confused all the time was um, Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg. For, really? For literally years, I could not tell those two apart. Really? Yes, they looked the same to me. Wow. I don't see that. Well, Mark Wahlberg is was very hot. I used to find him very attractive. He just... All those guys just look like uncles now to me, though. They're all just like <laughs> old dudes now. And they just look like... They look like an uncle. They look like they watch NCIS a lot. <laughs> 
I don't know. I mean, I agree. They do look like, they just look like everybody's uncle. Yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt's, like, not hot. <laughs> no. Anyway, we've gone off track. <laughs> but they look like they could be somebody's uncle. Sure. So, Sam's younger brother is talking to Luis. He's like, oh, yeah, I met this major babe. And starts talking about Sheridan and says, you know, she's super hot. She's super nice, and she looks like she's super rich based yeah. on the car she's driving and the clothes she's wearing. And remember, he doesn't know who she is. Right. Has no. How do you grow up in Harmony and not know who she is? If they're famous, well, I guess he's not reading, like, the gossip magazines like Teresa. I guess, but you would know the cranes. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. I mean, but also, if you saw a rich person in Harmony... You'd probably think it's the crane family. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they have other wealthy families. They have a whole country club. That's true. You know, so there must be a, a lot of wealth out there. That's true. But yeah, he's like, uh, Luis, do you know anybody who fits that description? And Luis is like, well, I know someone who's attractive and wealthy, but she's not nice and she's the last person on earth I would want to see. Right. And he says she would never deal with somebody from our side of the tracks anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're probably not talking about the same person, but they are. They sure are. They are. Yeah, I think we. I think it's worth mentioning that Sam's brother talks about wanting to party with Luis and like have a have a good time, and he's also like says something about how he wants to party in a mansion and he's gonna meet that girl again and marry her and then get a mansion of his own. Yeah. So there does seem to be some. Sheridan, of course, is attracted to a man who is attracted to her. In great part for her wealth. Right. Right? Like, immediately we're already seeing it. We already know she's going to want to be with this guy, and he's going to like her fine. She's a babe. But he's not going to be in love with her. He's going to want to use her. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, at that point, Luis goes to run an errand. What does he do? Right. He says, I got to go get something for the kids. So, he runs out. Immediately, Sheridan comes in and sees Sam's brother standing there, and they Mm -hmm. talk. They don't say anything to each other, really, though, right? She's He's like, so I, I was hoping I'd see you here, basically. Basically, that's it. And Sheridan's like, oh, well, I'm surprised to see you, but I do need to speak to the person in charge. And he goes, oh, well, that would be me. Yep. And that's kind of where we leave those two. Yeah, and he kind of walks away with her. Yeah, so she's going to be, she's being led to believe that Sam's brother is the director at the youth center, mm-hmm. even though we know that it's Luis. Right. So we're setting up a love triangle for sure between these three characters yeah. on top of a power struggle between Luis and Sam's brother because they're going to be fighting over Sheridan, but probably also over like power within the community. Cause I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they'll, they'll ever fight for power within the community because I think Sam's brother mm-hmm. is a troublemaker in the community. I yeah. think, and I think a lot of people in the community know him as that. I don't uh, think he would ever be respected. I think that's why he doesn't live in Harmony. Gotcha. Okay. I don't. I mean, I don't know, but he he seems to be because Luis runs into Sam on his errand, and he says, "You'll never know. Guess who's back in town? Your little brother, Hank." And Sam's like, "Hank's back in town. Oh, I wonder what trouble he's gonna get into." Right? Mm. I think he. I think he probably is well-known as a troublemaker. Gotcha. And, like, kind of a bad influence. A loose cannon. Yeah. Yeah. I just wonder if he's going to try and rebuild his reputation and take some other people under with him. I don't know. We'll see. 
I 100% agree that Hank has a reputation in that town. I'm just curious to see where this goes. Yeah. This okay. will be a good character, I think. Cause a little bit of trouble. Okay. All right. As if we don't have enough trouble in Harmony. Yeah, I need some new trouble. 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 We got trouble. Right here in Harmony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough syllables. <laughs> with the capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. Pool? Pool. Yeah. Is that what he says? Yeah. Oh. With the capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for, for pool. pool. That stands for pool. Because he's going... Because they want to get a pool? He wants to get rid of the pool hall. Oh! And instead... Oh, okay. I see. He, I see, he I wants see, to get, have the marching band instead of the pool hall. Oh, oh okay. That's, his, that's Harold Hill's whole thing. Oh, okay. We're talking about... The Music Man. Yeah. I forgot the name of the musical. <laughs> the Music Man. I haven't seen it in years. It's been a long time. They were supposed to bring it to Broadway like this season with Hugh Jackman playing Harold Hill. They were closing I see that. they were pl- closing Beetlejuice even though it was bringing in a ton of money. I'd rather see Music Man. Beetlejuice Music, Music Man. Beetlejuice there. was a lot of fun, but it was terrible. <laughs> Objectively. <laughs> it's a horrible musical. Sorry if y'all like it. It's not good. All right. So Luis runs into Sam, said, tells Sam his brother's back in town. They have a short little talk. That's everything that we have to talk about with Luis and mm-hmm. Sheridan and Hank, our new character, Hank. Our new character, Hank. Let's move on to Charity. Yep. Let's Obviously. we got to move on to stupid Charity and this <laughs> whole storyline. So, Tabitha, remember, is excited because she thinks she has won, right? So, she and Timmy are celebrating. That's right. They're having a celebration. They're having a celebration. She's got a bottle of champagne that she's drinking straight from. <laughs> like, not even a straw. Timmy's making martemis. <laughs> He's mixing them up. He's got his little shaker going. She's, they're dancing. They've made up a, their own little song. Timmy and Tabitha got rid of Charity. Like, they are really excited. It almost sounded like, so long, farewell, Alfita Zingamai. It almost <laughs> sounded like that, but but not quite. And it was all about, you know, we've gotten Charity and Faith to leave town. We've won! Yeah. <laughs> and then, I, the next thing in my note says, Tabitha is mean to Timmy. She's so yes, mean to him! She's so mean to him, and I'm not sure if we as an audience are supposed to think it's funny that she's picking on little Timmy or if we're supposed to think, wow, this woman is evil. I think we're supposed to, I think it's supposed to make us feel like she's really evil. It's At least that's what he's doing for me. It is accomplishing the goal. (laughs) Um, Yeah, she, the whole, she's mean to Timmy because she asks about the Martimi recipe and Timmy's like, I'm not going to give it up. Like, it's my recipe that I came up with on my own. And she's like, oh, well, you don't have a brain. How'd you come up with anything? I bet a few hours in the attic with Fluffy would loosen your tongue. Ugh. Like, all this Fluffy shit. We're, are we ever going to find out what Fluffy is? No. I mean, we know it's like a, a hell demon of some sort. No. Like a hell cat. I don't know. I don't know. But she's mean to Timmy. And then while Tabitha's dancing, she drops her key. Mm-hmm. Um, she drops her keys and then, like, falls down on the couch. And Timmy picks up these this key and says, Tabitha, you dropped this. What is this? And she tells him it's the key to the basement. And what's in the basement, Tabitha? Well, Tabitha says to Timmy that there is the greatest power you could ever imagine down in the basement. And Timmy asks Tabitha, is Tabitha afraid of what's in the basement? And she's like, you bet your fluffy ass. 
You you bet your you bet your little puppet butt. Yeah. <laughs> you I yeah, I'm afraid of what's in the, the the basement and you better not ever go down there. Are we to believe that like Tabitha's basement door is the gate to hell? Am I right? Am I right? Basically. Am I fucking right? Basically. Tabitha's house is the gateway to hell? Basically. Are you kidding me? Bitch, it's so good. I can't wait for you to see it. I can't wait for you to see it. Are you it. fucking kidding me? It takes forever to get to this point, to the point in the storyline where the, everything's kind of coming together and converges and, and oh, we realize what Lord. it is. But yeah, basically. Oh my God. Oh, it's so good. This show has everything. It's so good. <laughs> it has everything. So Timmy wow. takes the key. P- Tabitha passes out. Timmy takes the key and he walks over to the basement door, the door to the basement. And he's going to maybe go inside, but he looks down and sees that there's like red glowing yeah. under the door and like there's a little sound coming. He's like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> and he takes the key back to Tabitha, who's passed out, passed she out. She is like all the way passed out on the couch snoring, like I mean, drunk snoring. Who knows how many bottles of champagne she had? already had right she yeah she i mean she was down in that one bottle mm-hmm. and one bottle is enough to really knock you on your ass oh yeah you know yeah so oh, man tabitha, tabitha yeah so she's out. very asleep and timmy returns the little key makes himself another little martimmy and does a toast to tabitha the terrible to tabitha <laughs> the terrible i love that so let's go to charity now yes. we'll come back to tabitha and Timmy a little bit later. So remember, Charity has seen Grace Bennett. She's sitting on the bus. She sees a woman who looks just like her mom, but is wearing different clothes. She says, that's got to be my Aunt Grace. She, mm-hmm. So she's really excited. This bus has stopped. She sees Grace on the side, like on the sidewalk. And instead of getting off the bus or saying, excuse me, I need to get off the bus, like immediately, she just bangs on the window. Aunt Grace! Aunt Grace! Turn around! It's me, Charity! Aunt Grace! Banging on the window. She does it for so long. And I kept saying, the bus is stopped. Like, get off the bus. I was yelling. I was pissed off. <laughs> you were. You know, because this, her storyline and the Grace and Faith and Charity shit has aggravated me for the last, like, 20 episodes. It's gone on for such a long time. It's not fun. And so, like, why wouldn't you just get off the bus, Right. right. So, she's banging on the windows, banging on the windows. She finally decides to get off the bus. And she gets off the bus in the most annoying way. You know, you ever have you ever been on the bus and the bus, or a crowded bus, and the bus stops, and you're getting off the bus, and mm-hmm. lots of people are getting off the bus, and there's, like, a person behind you, like, I'm getting off, I'm getting off, excuse me, I'm getting off. Like, yes, we I am are. too. All these people in the line that are getting off the bus. Yeah. I sometimes wonder if they just can't see because I'm very tall and usually, you know, I'm wondering if they just can't see that everyone in front of me is moving and that I'm part of a line. No. I don't know. No, they're just being assholes. I also one time saw this poor girl. She was younger and I assume it was like her first time riding the bus and she was exiting the rear door the way that you're supposed to mm-hmm. but it doesn't open unless you like press the tape to mm-hmm. get it to open or push it open and mm-hmm. she was, I saw her and it looked like she wanted to get off the bus but she didn't know that she had to do it, so she was like standing at the door, like waiting for it to open. And, and then the bus, and then the bus drove away. Like, and she and she was kind of looking around. And then I saw it happen again. And then I I spoke Did you up. Help her? And I was like, you have to like press the press the doors, and then they'll open. Oh yeah. And I was 
like, you know, she went like two blocks too far, so yeah. she can retrace her steps. But I felt bad. Oh, <laughs> like, you don't know how to ride the bus. That's cute. Well, well now she knows. Now she knows. Yeah. She, so Charity's getting off this bus in the most annoying way, pushing people. Mm. Like, Excuse me, I'm trying to get off the bus. I need to get off the bus. Excuse me, I'm getting off the bus. Yes, we're all getting off the bus. So, right. Like, and you know what? You would have been at the front of that line had you just stood up when you saw your Aunt Grace to get True. off the bus in the first place instead of, like, banging on the window, you True. idiot. She's a moron. I don't... <laughs> I don't like her. It's funny seeing the comments from people on our Instagram where some people are, like, very heavily... Most people are very heavily Team K. <laughs> oh, my God! Even though, even though K is, like... A psychopath. They like her. They prefer her over Charity. Charity. Because Charity is so stupid and annoying. Yeah. You know? It's like, well. Insufferable, really. Truly. Okay. So, she gets off the bus. But by the time she gets off the bus, she, Grace has walked in a, off. Right? Yeah. She doesn't see her anymore. So then she's just like asking random people uh, excuse me, did you see a woman in a blue in a blue skirt? She's got, like, auburn hair. And she's asking all these people this. Instead of just, like, walking in the direction that she... You know, just, like, walk in that direction for a little while and see... She couldn't have gone very far. Yeah. It was... It's a sidewalk. Yeah. Also, maybe just jog a little. You'll find her. She's walking at a slow pace. It's a... And it's a sidewalk going in one of two directions. You know what I mean? Right. And you knew which way she was headed. Right. So just go that way. I agree completely. I don't know. I think it's a little ridiculous. I think it's a lot ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Because then, but it gets more ridiculous. It sure does. Because Charity loses sight of Grace, and we cut to Grace running into Sam. Mm Mm-hmm. But she barely notices him. And so he checks in. He kind of, like, has to tap her shoulder and be like, hello, wife. (laughs) Are you you all right? Mm Mm-hmm. So he is concerned about her because she's been exhibiting strange behavior for days now. And so he checks in just to make sure she's doing all right. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I can't stop thinking about, like, my, what did she say, my other family? Yeah. They just, they rehash the same old shit. Mm-hmm. And Sam's like, well, you know, I've been looking into that chat room, but the person named Seeker hasn't gotten back in touch with me. I don't know what, what else we can do. And Grace is like, you know, everything's fine. It's just that Miguel's loss is making me think of my own. That's all. Mm -hmm. And then she talks about how Charity had to leave with her mother and just rehashes what we already know about Charity needing to leave with her mother. Right. And then she goes off to the Lopez Fitzgerald house. Yes. She says, I'm going to go check on Miguel and Mm -hmm. I got something for Pilar. So she heads over there. Well, while she's headed over there, back in Castleton, really quickly, let's just take a quick aside to Castleton. (laughs) Faith has returned home <laughs> to find Charity gone again. <laughs> right? And then she says, she's, oh my God, Charity's not here. Please don't let the people who live in darkness hurt my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> she, this actress playing two characters has to deliver twice the amount of the same lines as every other character. And they're more ridiculous. Yeah. I'm sorry, but the don't let the darkness take my baby and all of its iterations are absurd. <laughs> and she has said them over and over and over again for 35 episodes. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, the people who live in darkness in this one. I love this this new version of the it. People who live in darkness. I, she's just... As Faith, she's hilarious. Like, yeah. I just think the way Faith delivers lines is just hilarious they're so melodramatic (laughs) she's always like 
crying but never in tears. Yeah. You know? <laughs> She's She's a hysterical woman. She is. And it's like, no wonder your daughter thinks she's just off your rocker, kid. <laughs> yeah. Like, you just... Don't let the darkness hurt my baby. Please don't let the people who live in darkness take my daughter. And it's like, anytime she sees anything, an angel, a cross, like anything, anything. Oh, Charity. Please, <laughs> please be safe. Don't let the darkness get her. Oh. Anytime she sees anything, it could be a piece of bread. <laughs> and she thinks of the darkness. Oh. As lo- if it's rye bread, if it's dark bread. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, going on. So that's going on. something that has happened in Castleton. Also in Castleton, Faith also sees, finally sees Charity's note. Right. Charity, right, right. remember, left a note for her on her computer. And it was just like a handwritten note that she had sat up on the computer. Yep. So she finally saw that that note and says, Charity, you, why did you go back to Harmony? You know it's not safe there. <laughs> anyway, that's all the Castleton stuff. So going, back to Har- going back to Harmony. Going back to Harmony. So Grace has walked off to go to yep. the Lopez Fitzgerald house. Sam is still there. And who runs into him? Charity runs into Sam and she's like a little hysterical. I have to find my aunt. I have to find my aunt. And he's like, okay, well, I'll help you. I am the chief of police after all. And right? we met at a party yesterday. And, and so <laughs> she she tells him, like, I don't have time. I have no time. I'm running out of time. And she refuses help from the chief of police in favor of Miguel, a teenager with no resources. He has a motorcycle. <sighs> I just, I just like, and and you know what I was yelling at this moment? It's like, what's her name? What's her name? What's her name? Say her fucking name, Charity. Right. Yes. Say her name. I'm looking for my aunt. Grace. Just say, I'm looking for my aunt Grace. I just saw her walk by because then Sam immediately would be like, oh my god, it's got to be. My wife, Grace, yeah. who doesn't know her family. You, like, he would, he, he would, Sam put would immediately put it together. He would absolutely put uh, it together. Oh, so anyway, God. she hurries off and Sam kind of calls after her. He's like, well, if you need help, stop by the police station. <laughs> and she's gone. Yeah. She's, she is also on her way to the Lopez Fitzgerald house Great. to find Miguel. So, Great. Because we know who's there. We know who's there. Grace. And, what, and what's she doing there? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she the the pretense here was that she stopped by to pick up a casserole dish that she had given uh, lent, lent Pilar. Okay, or maybe pick it up after the party or something. I don't know. But Miguel is there uh, fixing the doorbell, which is conveniently broken. Mm-hmm. The doorbell is broken, and then he says he's got to go to the store to get some parts for it. Like it's a doorbell. <laughs> it's a doorbell. He needed a special battery. Anyway, this was stupid. So, of course, Charity comes. She's excited to be back at Miguel's house. She rings the doorbell. It doesn't ring. And I also is like, when you ring somebody's doorbell, usually don't you hear it? You can yes. hear that the doorbell rang. Yes. And then if you didn't hear it, then you knock. That's, I have done that so many times. Jesus Christ. <sighs> so she leaves him a note. And you know what? This was so annoying. So she leaves him a note. And he sees the note. Luckily, good, because so often in these types of shows, somebody will leave a note and it, like, blows away. Mm. and somebody Or somebody else finds it, like, Kay finds the note, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, okay. So he almost immediately finds the note, reads it, and it's like, Charity was here? Charity! He goes outside, Charity, I'm here! 
Charity, I'm you, except I'm you're acting, acting it, out. it so much better than he yeah. did. <laughs> Charity, I'm here. Charity, where are you? Charity, 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 Charity. So Charity, he, he runs after her and does catch up with her. He does. So, so they catch up with each other. It's just annoying. It's just annoying. But period, it's annoying. Period. Yeah. So he's talks to her she says i saw my aunt grace i did he even call her grace he didn't no because she 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 she. nobody nobody who could help knows that charity's aunt's name is grace she has has not mentioned that to them even though it's the only pertinent piece of information she really has right and it's a big big clue yep yeah so she goes well i saw my aunt but i don't know where she went but i know that she's here in harmony and miguel's like well that's great uh, why don't we go back to my house and we can talk with Mrs. Bennett and she'll be able to f- help us out. You can give a description. She knows everybody. Right. But who sees them? Timmy. Because, again, the setup of Harmony makes no sense. Yeah, and I don't understand. And apparently, the Lopez Fitzgeralds live down the street from Tabitha enough that, they, that, that Miguel running after Charity runs into her right in front of Tabitha's house so that Timmy can see them through the big bay window. I don't understand. Which would mean the Bennett home is right there. Right. I mean, So I do guess... they all just live on the same block? Maybe. But it doesn't look like a residential block, and it also doesn't look like the block that they were on before at the party. Like when um, right. Kay took her outside to find the cab. It, it doesn't look like that at all. It and, do- and it doesn't look residential. It doesn't look residential, and we are meant to believe that the Lopez Fitzgeralds live in a different neighborhood because they have less money than everybody else. So I I just don't understand how this place is set up. I need a map of Harmony. Good luck. <laughs> I need a map. If there's any architects or city planners who listen to this, if you can create a map of Harmony and send it our way, we would really appreciate it because we can't keep up. Does anybody have a map? <sighs> Dear Evan Hansen reference. I know, I know. I hate myself for making it. I, I hate myself for making that reference. Right. I do so, like that song, though. There's some songs in that show that are fine for me, but I don't love it. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's not a good it. show. A lot of people disagree with that. I know. But I feel the way I feel. I mean, I feel the way I feel. I didn't see the original cast. I saw, you know, a, a different iteration, so mm-hmm. I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, but I didn't love it. Okay. All right, so Tammy <laughs> sees Charity and then sees Miguel catch up with Charity. And he's like, oh, no, Tabitha, our celebration is over. They're, they're together and Charity's back. And he's freaking out a little bit. So he's trying to wake up Tabitha, but she is passed the fuck <laughs> out. He rolls her onto the floor. Like, she falls on the floor and is still snoring. And then he grabs her arm like he's checking her pulse. And he goes... Oh no, Tabitha's dead. <laughs> but she's not dead. Tabitha's not dead. <laughs> she's not dead, but that made me laugh. Oh my god, do you think oh no. Do you think that because Timmy thinks Tabitha is dead that he's gonna like unleash what's in <laughs> the basement? Like to get help? Oh no. Oh, no, I didn't think about that. He's going to go down into the basement to get help? Maybe. Do you think that they would introduce the gateway to hell so quickly after showing us the the red lights under the door? Well, the gateway to hell, they don't introduce until much, much later. Oh, okay. The actual actual gateway. Gotcha. (laughs) So. We just know it's there. Yeah. But but opening the door is like opening a Pandora's box, Mm. basically. So, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I think... 
Timmy thinks, Ta oh no, Tabitha is dead. I wonder, I, I don't know, this feels different. I wonder if Grace and Charity are really finally about to meet. This can't go on for much longer. It, can, it really can't. They can't sustain it for much longer. The buildup build has been increasing and increasing. And this, I don't know, this time just feels different. I feel like they're so close. Mm -hmm. And it can't go on. It can't go on much longer. I, they could maybe stretch this out with all the, with the, all the other like storylines. They could maybe stretch this out for another like eight episodes. Oof. Right? Like, it, like for instance, we had an episode today where we didn't see any Teresa, we didn't see any um, other storylines. Right. So we could have an episode tomorrow that we don't see any of this story. Right. Right, so they can kind of stretch this over. I think they could probably stretch it over another six to eight episodes. I can see that happening, but I do think that the next time we get back to this storyline... I think that they will come face to face. I don't think they'll actually speak to each other. You know what I mean? I think we'll finally um, get them to see each other, and then and then the next time we revisit, then they'll have a conversation. Okay. I think it's going to take us maybe another three episodes to get to, like, the realization. Mm -hmm. where Where somebody knows has figured it out. Sure. But yeah. maybe not charity. Ugh. She's too stupid. But maybe she will. I don't know. Charity is that idea of, like, the really sweet, nice girl. And that's all she has going on. She's sweet and she's pretty. You she, know what I mean? She, and she is irritating because that's all she is. She has nothing else. She has no fucking sense. She's not smart. She's a fucking liar because mm. she doesn't want to, I guess, ruffle feathers or something. But it's like, tell your mom what's going on. Tell your mom you almost died three times. Three times? Yeah. I don't know. Charity. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's the end of our episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of our episode. So remember to uh, follow us on all of the social medias, Instagram and Facebook at Passions Podcast, or email us at passionspodcast uh, at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. right? If you listen on Apple, please give us a five-star rating. It helps us tremendously. And I have noticed our listens have gone up quite a bit. I saw that too. And our, our listener base, like the number yeah. of estimated listeners has gone up a lot. So, so thanks for listening. So thank you for listening. Thank you for rating us. Keep talking about us to your friends and family, yeah, please. We, we love you lots. And remember, you are my passion for life.